to the Ultimate Thrill Seeker podcast um, and welcome to the show. This is the first episode um, and yeah, today we've got a really exciting guest. It's Liam from Aroma Prime um, who is, well, it, Aroma Prime is a company that specialises in smells and themed entertainment. So uh, really lucky to have you on the podcast today and we can't wait to ask you some questions. Thank you. I feel lucky to be here. <laughs> Um, so I think the first one, for anyone that doesn't know Aroma Prime out there, what does Aroma Prime specialise in within the space? Um, so Aroma Prime specialises in themed smells, basically. So smells that can um, help tell stories in themed attractions, um, whether they be dark rides or roller coasters or even um, shops. Um, we make smells for care homes and um, hotels as well. It's we do lots of traditional smells like um, sandalwood and that kind of thing, but um, also all the kind of unexpected smells that might be difficult to find elsewhere. Yeah, um, and I said it really is another dimension to an attraction that builds on that realism um, and does create an atmosphere throughout the space, which is incredible. You know, when you go into attractions with smells, you do kind of step into another dimension of that world. So I think it is really important um, that they're integrated. Um, the next one then is what are the kind of origins of Aroma Prime? Where did you start as a company? Well, Aroma Prime, I only found this out recently. I think for years people have um, not been entirely sure, but um, the company was founded in 1973. Um, so 2023 will be 50 years old. Um, oh, wow. And <laughs> try to think of something special to do, I think. Um and it was founded by a man called Fred Dale from Blackpool. Um, and he um, made air conditioning for, um, well, for <laughs> shops and things. Um, and he also integrated smells into that. So he'd make smells for bakeries. And um, he also started making kind of 1920 smells for care homes for reminiscence therapy. Um, and gradually he'd get requests from museums um like i think there was a motor museum that um asked him for some themed smells um but back then um you can kind of imagine in the 70s if you were a theme park designer um it, it would be pretty difficult to find like a rotting flesh smell for a, for a ride or whatever so most of um most design companies well i did don't know if they had design companies most designers were um just using kind of the traditional smells like flowers and oranges um and it was when Jorvik viking center um which has this immersive dark ride um was being built they wanted um smells to be a big focus of that so they hired fred dale to make lots of historical unusual smells like goat poo and fish and um cesspits things that no perfumer had really been asked to make before um and that was a huge success and from there um we'd been making smells for museums and theme parks and such ever since so it's quite an exciting history <laughs> it's quite a good story that one um and you mentioned your viking center I've heard a lot about that, you know, especially the animatronics and the rides and stuff. So I've really got to go experience that at some point. Um, but yeah, I think I have done attractions similar before with smells integrated into them. And it really does kind of 
you know, with the sounds and the smells and the lighting conditions, and it all really builds into that realism of the story. Um, and it makes a memorable experience. So I guess that leads into my next question. Um, how do smells create that memorable experience within attractions? Well, our, um, our olfactory bulb is connected to the limbic system in our mind, um, in our brain. And it's the area of the brain that processes memories and emotions. So um, when you sniff um, cookies, for example, you'll likely have that triggered in your mind and you'll be um, feeling the same emotions that you felt when you've had cookies in the past. Um, so that might be happiness or kind of hunger. Um, and I was going to say something else very interesting and I forgot. <laughs> but you kind of get the idea. Um, they can they can really um, affect how you feel, um, whether it be scared or kind of like with cookies, hungry. Um, when you're feeling tempted to um, seek out that um, the source of whatever's giving you that emotion, it can kind of be manipulated to um, result in sales, for example, yeah. or to draw people to a certain part of an area, like in a theme park. If you don't want people crowding over here, you can push them over there by um, using a pleasant smell or using a horrible smell over there. Um, so there are lots of exciting tricks you can use. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously that story that, you know, that everyone knows, you know, at Disneyland, their main street, and they pump out the smells um, in kind of a commercial aspect there. They want people to kind of come in and kind of draw them in. But again, you say it can also kind of push people away and kind of unconsciously move people, which is the whole science of theme parks, um, is, is really kind of building on that without people knowing that you're trying to influence them, but you are in a way um, doing that with realism and smells. Yeah, it's kind of multifaceted at Disneyland because um, they're kind of tempting people to buy things, but it's also because um, it's Main Street, they're kind of, um, it draws people towards that big castle or the weenie as it's um, referred to. Yeah. Um, and also it's, um, it's really important for attractions to give a good first impression. Um, like Thought Park recently has started um, diffusing scents at the entrance, um, kind of relating to whatever events they've got going on at the time. Um, and if you smell popcorn, even if it's breakfast time and you don't really want popcorn at the time and you're probably not going to buy any, um, it just immediately puts you into that fantasy world. And um, it's important for guests to feel happy when they arrive. Um, because if they arrive and it, it looks horrible and the weather's horrible, then um, it might set them up for a, an average or worse day. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. And I think it just creates, uh, obviously, an aroma in the air, but it also, you know, creates that kind of emotion and all these different things tie into building that emotion, which is kind of the foundation of theme park design. It's playing with emotions through the means of adrenaline and storytelling. Um, and I think smell is a massive part of that. Um, which is definitely noticeably absent in attractions that don't have it. Um, but it's also kind of blends into attractions that do have it in a way that kind of just builds onto it. And as I said, kind of builds that kind of realism and atmosphere inside. Um, mm. So definitely, I think it's so important for playing with those emotions to kind of integrate smells into attractions and, you know, build it up to 
become a bigger experience and a bigger overall experience, not just the ride itself. You know, you've got the queue line and the pre-shows and the kind of overall experience as soon as you enter under that sign, you know, you're going into this experience. And I think that's entirely what all these different components do, but smells especially really kind of create an atmosphere that's unconsciously playing with your emotions. Yeah, normally it's best to, um, uh, like with most theming, it's um, most effective, unless it's like a scare maze where everything's really intense, it can be most effective where you don't even notice that there's um, an artificial scent or a scent that's been put in place by certain types of plants or whatever. Because um, when you, like if you go on a walk, um, often the smells that you're passing you'll only get them for the first sniff and then they'll kind of disappear. Um, so um, I think it can often be really good if they're, um, if they're blending into reality and they're not kind of standing out as something um, gimmicky. It, like you say, yeah. it's good when they kind of blend in with all the, um, all the rest of the design. Yeah, definitely. And I think it builds on to realism, which kind of is the foundation of really great attractions that's kind of built onto that realism which kind of buys you in more to the fantasy or whatever the story may be but it kind of grounds you in that realism setting and that kind of feeling and emotion um that you're in this real place and maybe you don't know what's going to happen maybe the smells are a bit foreboding um but also it kind of makes that kind of environment you're in just really come alive <laughs> Yeah, um, like um, we're kind of breathing all the time, so we're um, pretty much smelling all the time. And even if we don't notice it, um, like our our very um, process of breathing is probably subtly influencing our emotions um, throughout the day. Um, so yeah, it can be quite um, a, a, a missed opportunity um, when smells aren't utilised in an attraction yeah yeah, yeah definitely um so I think that kind of leads on to our next question is kind of well we kind of covered this one how to uh why should you integrate them it's definitely to build on that memorable emotional experience and that uh kind of journey you go on as you go through an attraction um so how do you kind of develop a smell and where do you kind of when you get stimulus for what attraction is going to be how do you kind of work that into what smell to use and, and where? Um, sorry, what was the start of the question? <laughs> um, how do you kind of come up with a smell to oh, yeah. action and stuff? Okay, um, so it kind of varies. Um, say it's Halloween and um, there's a scare maze being made. Normally um, designers will go for all the classics like rotting flesh and vomit. Um, because they're um, they're kind of um, so classically um, embedded in human beings as being disgusting and getting um, certain reactions that they kind of they just work every time. Um, but if there's a new um, dark ride being developed, for example, um, it can go a couple of ways. So it might be that the designer wants to try some different samples. Um, and they'll pick from that um, and kind of, um, especially if it's a top secret one that um, they don't want to tell us about. Um, normally they'll um, just uh, base it all on the samples, but otherwise they might. Um, there's one in the Middle East that I've been working with um, and they've sent me their designs um, 
and it's been really handy because they've sent me like um the the flow of the dark ride um so i can see the distance between the different scenes and i can think about like um if the guests are passing this smell at this time um say it's a kind of light happy smell we can kind of pack a punch over here by putting this more intense um maybe scary smell um and that that really helps it can be good to think about the kind of sequence that the smells are used in and also the distances between them um so yeah sometimes we'll go into quite a lot of depth with them and often the way that the smells are diffused and where they're diffused and what the timings are can be just as important as what the actual flavors of the smells are um and yeah, if we go into more depth, if we know about the story, um, then we can either make suggestions from our existing library or we can maybe um, mix some to um, kind of give a new angle on them. Or we can, um, in rare cases, in the early days, we'd be making things from scratch quite a lot um, because um, theme smells, not so many existed back then. Um, but now that we've got such a huge library, it tends to be a bit rarer that we'll just make something from scratch that um, that doesn't exist already or that can't be mixed from what we've already got. Yeah, build on kind of what the library that you've got already. Um, yeah, that, that's really interesting in terms of the science behind it. Again, you know, how far will these things diffuse and how will they flow into each other so they don't clash? And, all those different things are really important to think about because it is kind of a make or break of that realism. If people kind of start noticing the smells um, consciously, then it will kind of take away from that. So that is really important to think about, uh, definitely. And I think kind of the thought process that you've gone through, especially with dark rides, is, is really important with that. So that's definitely brilliant. Um, a uh, question here, which we kind of touched on a little bit earlier. Um, how have you used smells in care homes and kind of dementia therapy before? Uh, well, we have um, normally at care homes, they'll use aroma cubes, which are like um, plastic blocks that have um, s uh, material in them that's soaked with a certain aroma. So you can pick them up, pick them up and sniff them. And they're really secure. So they're not going to be broken open either um, by people um, who might have uh, behavioural issues um, or the children, for example. Um, so they're really safe for all sorts of people. And um, normally they'll be kind of distributed um, during sessions at care homes and they'll have smells like um, carbolic soap or um, tobacco, um, or they might be selected based on the, the histories of the certain residents. So, um, We've had fish um, requested for fishermen. Um, and it, like I was saying about triggering memories earlier, um, the uh, the aromas can help kind of unlock memories, sometimes childhood memories that they wouldn't have accessed otherwise. Um, so it can be really great for kind of bringing back um, happy feelings and happy memories and also sparking discussion among other residents and kind of, um, just reminiscing, it's a really good um, stimulus for that. And also they can, the cubes or the smells um, in different forms can be incorporated into 
um, sets. There's a company called Rampods who makes, you might have seen like um, train um, carriages that are made yeah. for care homes. Um, or um, reminiscence packs that have like um, ration books and um, postcards and things. Um, so they come as part of a, a whole um, memory experience. Um, so yeah, there's lots of different ways you can use smells with care homes. Yeah, definitely. Um, I do know what we're talking about with those sets. It's kind of you can do a living room of the of the period and stuff. Um, so I think definitely that's that's something that really will help with that realism to bring back those moments, um, which I think is yeah. really what attractions do, but also more directly in this sense, um, it, it does help all that kind of, yeah. Yeah, well, the care home stuff kind of ties into um, museums that use a lot of theming as well, like the Eden Camp Modern History Museum um, has visits from care homes and they use, it's um, like a World War um, experience like a living museum and they've got lots of theming and they use um, nostalgic wartime smells to help um, trigger memories um, when they have their care home visits so it kind of ties into the, the world of theming as well. Definitely, um, so I think that is, yeah, just build on what the theme parks can do but in a new kind of way and for a new purpose and a new application so I think definitely that's something that's really important. Um, that your company does. <laughs> so the next kind of question is how are smells dispersed into attractions and what kind of machines uh, do you use um, throughout attractions and how do you choose which one to use? Um, well it kind of um, it varies depending on what the attraction needs and what it wants. Um, so we've got um, machines that um, are really small um, and then machines that can fill whole theatres or stadiums um, and it it can like if we think about the dark rides again it can depend on um, the the size of the space and how often they need things dispersed so um, most of our diffusers have timing settings on them so um, you can choose how often um, the smells are diffused and that can um, adjust the subtlety or they might connect the machines to an overall circuit um, so they can choose when it switches on and off. Um, or we have a new DMX machine as well. Yeah, um, yeah so, um, and that diffuses the, it can diffuse three different smells at the same time or like swap them over. Um, so, yeah, it, it all depends on um, the needs of the attraction, really. Um, we even have like, um, aroma blocks which um, use what's called dry diffusion so it's when you just have a scented object um, that lets off a smell and that can be a bit more subtle um, rather than having a machine um, especially if you want a subtle effect like um, in a museum I suppose um, if it's a really horrible smell and you don't want people vomiting um, it can be handy doing dry diffusion or actually in um, flying theatres, um, they use scent beads, which we provide as well, um, which are basically like plastic beads that are soaked with aroma oil. And they're handy because you don't want um, liquids kind of splashing around in a, in a flying right. theatre because they've got the smells that come over you. 
Um, so instead they have scent beads and a fan blows air through them. So you've got dry diffusion that way and it's nice and clean and um, doesn't get people soaked in oil. Yeah, it's definitely thought of there. Um, <laughs> and then something we mentioned uh, beforehand was obviously the originals that um, aren't on sale anymore, but those kind of pops on the walls that you see in some of the classic attractions um, where you'd, I'm assuming, put the oil in the top and it would heat up and diffuse that way. Yeah, um, that we had them for years and years and years. Um, they were developed at the um, at least um, from around the 1980s, if not earlier, um, and they were really reliable for years. And they still are. Like loads of um, even places like Alton Towers still use them. Um, so our, we've got new machines. Um, they've got the timing settings, and they're more powerful, and they're kind of um, more reliable um, so that we've basically got the same they do all the same stuff um, they're just a bit better now and yeah. um, they're also the ones we've got now have locks on them because um, depending I mean we would advise with the old machines that the, um, they'd be like placed behind things um, so you guests can't access them but um, say you had a designer who didn't really think that way and they just put it somewhere where um, people could dip their fingers in and stuff. <laughs> it wouldn't be too handy. So, um, yeah, that, we kept that in mind when we were developing the new machines. Yeah, and nowadays you've uh, had a few kind of examples where I see where you've done kind of pipe work and stuff. So you've kind of got a machine elsewhere and it pumps it through kind of really small pipes. So if you weren't looking for them, you'd never see them. Um, but yeah, that's kind of a nice way to, I'm assuming, direct the smells into a certain location, um, as well as having the machines in a safe place away from guests um, kind of fiddling with them. Yeah, well, that's another um, method that can be used. Um, like Jorvik Viking Centre, they have an amazing um, kind of locker system. So they've got, um, it's one of the huts in the dark ride, one of the Viking huts. If you go in there, there's all these lockers. Um, and each locker has a different smell machine in and um, above the lockers are pipes um, taking the smells to different parts of the ride um, so it's like a control centre and then you've got um, like the Gruffalo ride at Chessington they've got runways behind um, behind the sets and you can put like tubing into the machines and it feeds through the wall um, into the set so the, the actual machines don't have to be in the, in the pool, yeah yeah <laughs> um and then um yeah um and they can um those that tubing can connect to air conditioning as well um so you've got a, a big shopping center um that can be a nice efficient way to just get the smell everywhere really quickly yeah <laughs> definitely i think that's um you know, it's a really clever way of thinking about how to do it um, in a kind of discreet way and directing it into a place but also it kind of blends kind of source of it in a source so it kind of doesn't clash when you get that hit um, which I think does it really well and especially I think Gruffalo's really nice example it has a, such a variety of smells which if you go through kind of um, and try and find the different smells you will notice that the beginning and by the end you know they're completely different smells but they've blended so neatly as you go through the scenes um that it works so well and it's you know similar to, to music in that sense we have kind of lots of attractions in the past you know when you have 
a main theme, but it changes ever so slightly as you go through. So by the end, it's completely different, but it still blends as you go through the scene. So it's unconsciously changing um, and playing with those emotions, but without you realising that, which I think is, is so important when you come Yeah. I think that's an interesting comparison to make with music. Um, because like with Gruffalo, um, there are loads and loads of um, kind of natural smells, like forest smells that it's got. And you start off with forest smells, but then there's like a bit of, um, I think, burning peat um, when things get a bit more intense. Um, and like you, there's a, a very subtle, almost unnoticeable change in emotion in the smells, even though they're all kind of um, really similar. Um, and then, of course, it ends with the Gruffalo crumble smell, which is a nice triumphant. Um, it's, it's, it can be really handy to, like I kind of said earlier, it can be really handy to have contrasting smells. So you've been going through all these forest smells and then you suddenly smell um, like apple pies and stuff. Um, it makes the ending really stand out well and it can be good to end um, with a, a positive impact like that. Yeah, um, I think Gruffalo is a fantastic example. And there's another one as well um, that we, we got to kind of do this year, um, which was Darkest Depths at Alden Towers, um, with such the variety of smells in there and the realism of sets, which were kind of really 360 immersion around you. You know, you could look up and the top was kind of in this whole wood environment and you felt like you were going to all these different scenes that were undeniably real. Um, these sets and the smells were really intense in there, but they didn't feel artificial. They felt like, They'd come from sources and all these fabrics all smelled of the smell because it's all soaked in over the time. Um, and it really had a variety as you went through and you had that finale scene with a different smell from kind of the in scene at the beginning. And it just changed so much as you go through, but it was so realistic in the sense that it was strong smell, but you could see there was a source for it and there was a reason for it. And it wasn't just appeared, you know, you could believe into that story of why that was there, why there was a smell. Um, and it really was incredible. Um, that was one of the most immersive walkthroughs we've done in a long time. Um, uh, so, yeah. <laughs> that's good. It, it's, it is really important um, to provide context with smells, or it can be, it can really strengthen them. Because um, like if you have a, a sample and you sniff a hospital smell, it can just um, smell artificial. But um, like um, like in trailers where the hospital smell is used in the hospital room, you you don't question it. You um, almost don't notice it, which is a good thing because um, it just seems like it should be there and it hasn't just been put in there as a, um, a little effect. Yeah, that leads us on to really kind of a case study I wanted to look at, which was trailers, because it's such... Um, it's an incredible attraction, um, the storytelling in there, how to fit all these different scenes and themes together in a cohesive storyline that's realistic um, is absolutely incredible. And, you know, the same goes with the music and everything, how it was so different from each scene. But you had that kind of um, transition into the scene and each scene was not ruined by another scene. You know, you can have the music and the lights, which are completely different. But as you go into the next scene, there's no leakage of the smells or the lights or the sounds. So that was incredible. So how did you kind of develop um, the smells of trailers? Um, well, I I did trailers myself and um, I, I agree. I, I found it really um, effective how, um, the, how, how much variety they had in there. 
and like you say, it, it was really um, effective how they kind of split the rooms up and um, in, in those kind of corridors that led into the next room, it kind of reminded you of the the overall story um, before you went into this um, into this different scene. So it wasn't like a, a messy cacophony. Um, we um, we didn't um, work so much with the team on that one. They um, kind of, because they're so used to our smells, they've been using them for so long, they kind of knew what they wanted immediately. Um, so it was um, kind of a, um, a nice surprise when I experienced it and I could see how they'd been put into place. Um, and I remember, um, like, kind of talking about the placement of machines, um, in, in scare mazes, um, the machines tend to be like above the door behind people because so, you never really look behind you in the scare maze. Um, but I like they in the hospital room in particular, um, they've got the machine like up on the wall because of how it's designed. It just looks like a bit of hospital machinery, um, which is really interesting. Um, and I liked um, the, the kind of, I think maybe the most memorable one is the popcorn at the beginning, um, which is a nice um, classic way of creating a false sense of security, um, but also setting the scene. Um, and they had that popcorn machine there to kind of reinforce um, the, the atmosphere. Um, and also to, when you have um, a visual there like the popcorn, um, you kind of look at that and you accept that as the source of the smell. So you're not going to be looking around the room to find out where the smell is coming from, which is really cool. Um, and yeah, um, I agree, the smells were put together really well. I liked the um, the ship room as well. Um, it had a kind of nautical smell in it. Um, yeah. um, like we've been saying, like the all the contextual cues really um, enhanced them as part of the whole experience and not just um, not just bits that were added at the end, as can unfortunately be the case with smell sometimes. Definitely. Um, it's, yeah, it was fantastic how it all worked together. Because instantly when you, when you look at the kind of plans and all this and you see this room next to this room, but they're completely contrasting themes. Um, but the way it was executed was, was absolutely incredible. And I think, um, yeah, that was a masterpiece attraction. It's so much more than a scare maze, in my opinion. That's a full story-driven attraction, um, which is incredible. So that is a uh, absolute masterpiece. Um, trailers. So yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, I agree. And I, like I kind of said, I really like the variety. I like that you can, um, they could get loads of the best of different genres. Um, out of it like like the kind of big top room and then the um the voodoo i don't know how to describe it there <laughs> the voodoo room um and then darkest depth style with the ship it was i really liked that definitely um so the next kind of one what's the story behind platform 15 and it's kind of victorian smell in the house um because that is an entire attractions set in that period in the Victorian period um so what was the kind of the story behind that and what was the stimulus behind what smells you used um I it's possible that I wasn't working for the company when platform 15 was first um put into place 
but I know that they they use like um our Victorian street smell and tar um and it's yeah it's really cool that they used um historical smells um because it's not really the kind of attraction that um lends itself to rotting flesh and vomit and stuff um because it's it's um designed in a way that's kind of a, a slow build-up and it's all about the atmosphere and the darkness well depending on what time of day you do it um <laughs> so yeah it's um it's really cool that they do that and it's um i like that it has historical smells because obviously these smells the historical smells were developed with museums so they've got a lot of accuracy to them um which um gives a nice authenticity to the like the house um in platform 15 and they're kind of um they're i wouldn't say they're kind of terrifying smells they kind of just um trigger um an unsettling feeling and you like the the tar smell you you kind of um can feel that stickiness um and when you're looking at um all the the walls that are kind of burnt and the burnt up train um yeah it goes together really nicely definitely and i think it just builds atmosphere and i think what steph did with all of the design concept that her and her team came up with was incredible in the way that each attraction is so specialized um and how she's differentiated them you know you've got creek creek which is definitely that kind of wood hillbilly chainsaw um thing and then you've got the slow moving uh, no blood kind of platform 15 attraction then you've got things like trailers which is a completely different 70s vibe um which is three completely different genres but put together so they work so well as separate attractions and i think that's what makes it just less kind of a tacky scary just generic thing it's so different and differentiated story driven each attraction is so different and i think that's what really really makes it one of the best scary attractions in in this country and definitely on par with things like halloween horror nights at this point because halloween horror nights is does have some incredible attractions um it's a lot more just scary this is a lot more story driven realistic and all these different things come together to create an incredible attraction which is miles beyond what a typical scary attraction would be which is is so amazing what, um, yeah and um, having the having the different um, kind of uh, types of maze with the gory one and the ghosty one and the eighties um, <laughs> one, um, it it really helps with the smells. Um, like we were saying about um, the the benefits of having contrasts. If you're going through maze after maze that smells like rotting flesh, it's going to lose its impact. Um, so it is really cool that they kind of um, use them for different benefits absolutely um which is what i think that makes that event so incredible is the just sheer variety you know you get things like creek freak and then you've got things like the swarm invasion which is a completely different vibe but all these different themes around the park work in harmony so well to create this overall event where you go to all these different places and they're unlike the last one which is, i think is incredible yeah i agree <laughs> Um, so I guess this kind of brings us on to the next one. What's the story with the Wicker Man smell? Because that's such an iconic smell. The theme there is so incredible that it rationalises the fact that it's this big wooden 
like coaster above you and there's this wooden statue, it really rationalises why that's there. And I think the smell just builds onto the fact that there is this kind of overwhelming aroma of um, fire and burning and this idea that this is a, a real place and this is a real thing that's been built and you are in the centre of the action going into this um, contraption that's been in, created by by the cult of the Bjormans. So what was kind of the story behind creating the Wickermay aroma? Um, well, um, Bradley Wynn chose that and um, actually I believe originally they were hoping to have um, the fog machines that had smells um, so that the the smoke would smell like the wood smoke. Um, but then they had um, a sage smell, um, which was used for kind of giving that kind of ritualistic feel um, and the wood smoke as well, um, which was used for um, obviously giving a feeling of um, fire and stuff, um, <laughs> but also um, creating a sense of unease. It's like one of the, the most um, ancient smells that um, give us a, an uneasy feeling. It gives us a feeling of fight or flight um, because um, fire is so classically dangerous. Um, yeah. So it's really good for um, sniffing just before you get on the ride. Um, and that was another one that was put in just before I started working for Roma Prime. So I don't know too much about the development of it. Um, but I think it's been used really well. It's great that they have a pre-show and they have the indoor areas where smells can be um, used really effectively because um, classically smells are pretty difficult to use on roller coasters. Um, Definitely. I, there's like, um, there have been some good moves by Universal and Disney to include smells during roller coaster rides like um, the Incredicoaster has kind of tubes that you go through. Um, so that's, um, there's one that you go through and you can smell cookies because like, um, I think the baby's got a cookie or something. <laughs> um, but because um, of the way scent technology's developed as well, um, it's possible to diffuse inside the tube just as people are going past um, before it disappears. Um, and then there's the Hagrid, Hagrid's motorbike, magical, whatever. Um, <laughs> there's um, a bit where you go into the hut and you can smell the blast and it's Um So, yeah, there's been some nice attempts at adding smells during roller coaster rides, which I think is really cool. Um, but, yeah, um, Wicker Man is such a classic one. And everyone really loves it. I think it's it's one of our most um, popular, wood smoke is one of the most popular smells among fans um, for buying with their mini dispenser. <laughs> Definitely. So, um, so realistic. And I think the whole story of that is so well rationalised. The fact that it is a wooden coast has been used entirely to its advantage. And it's something I really hope to see with the, obviously, two announced roller coasters, um, that are hopefully planned to be coming to obviously Chesney and Thorpe Park. I really hope they're really story driven as well in terms of you've got your pre-show and it's rationalised why there's this big metal structure in the Amazon and why there's this metal structure at Thorpe Park and why there are all these stories here. And I hope that's rationalised into a sense of there's obviously a pre-show and there's theming and it's 
either a big metal steampunk thing or you know something that really makes sense in terms of traction and I hope that's what Wicker Man has done it's incredibly well themed in terms of the fact where it's undeniably real um, with the station it's this big wooden building and it's all this wood stuff that just looks so real and it's kind of messy in a sense that you think oh this has to be real um, you know it's got this design which has to be real because no one would design something like that um, so I think that's really what kind of Wicker Man did and I hope the other attractions do that with the kind of the smells and things they're so incredibly real that you think no one would design that it's just real um it's undeniably real and i think that's incredible what Wickerman has done yeah it is handy that it's got like um you can see the the smoke coming out of it and you can see the fire under the wood um which really helps um reinforce the smell and it really helps the smell reinforce the entire story um and I agree, I think it's great when um, roller coasters have um, a, a rationalisation and a context behind them. Um, that's, I'm, I'm not much of a roller coaster fan myself, I kind of just accept it as a load of, I close my eyes and <laughs> hold on and wait for it to finish. Um, so when it has um, a story around it, um, I, I'm really interested in going through that, I'm interested in experiencing the theming and experiencing um i guess when a roller coaster has a story with it it makes it more um meaningful and exciting and memorable than if it is just a, a steel thing um that um kind of gives you physical sensations and nothing else and then it's over um if it has a story it sticks with you um and obviously smell with how it works with your memory that really helps it stick with you as well Definitely. I'm entirely with you on that. I'm not a fan of roller coasters or amusement parks. I'm really a fan of story-driven entertainment, kind of through the medium of the rides, just a way to get you through the show. And there's nothing else. It's not the show itself. Um, and the fact that you go through these things and you hear this story, and it's just a way of playing with that story. Um, and you use these mediums like music and sound and lights and theming pieces to kind of really create a reason and, and a why and a story um, that really creates that realism inside an attraction. Um, I was going to say something there, but I've forgotten. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it is just incredible when you have a story. Because uh, this is what I was going to say. Anyone can build a roller coaster, but when you add the story and theming and everything like that, that's unique to you, and no one else can have that because that's your thing. You know, you come up with that story, and that's what makes it unique to anything that anyone else has done. Um, so I think that's what kind of story, theming, smells, all these aspects kind of create an experience that is unique. Yeah, I guess um, coaster tracks, they almost look like bones and they are, um, if I were, I guess, yeah, from our perspective, how we would approach it, they they kind of would act as the bones of the experience and then the, the rest can be built around it. Um, and. I think, um, like you, the Indiana Jones ride at Disneyland Paris, um, I'm sure there, there are loads of others that are like replicas of other ones, but Indiana Jones is the only one I can remember. But like there the are roller coasters that are just the same version of other ones. And it is, it's just the, the story around it gives it its character. Um, like I, I know nothing about the roller coaster, the ride experience of um, Nemesis but um, everyone knows the big alien thing. 
and without that big alien thing like i i don't i i don't, I don't know but i i don't imagine it would be half as popular as it is because it's just um so iconic and um exciting and striking it is incredible and i think that's such a great example and this was back in in the 90s where it's the the fact that this steel is rationalized into the fact that it's put there to hold down the monster and it's kind of got this system on it which kind of controls and holds down this monster in this big military theme and then kind of the monster's kind of mutating into it and yeah, it's just incredible the way that it's rationalized into that and you've got the fake B&M track that comes out of the out of the monster um and on an unrelated point, I'd love to see some smells in there at some point. Um, if Alton Towers is listening or anyone from the creative department, um, inside that station, I think it's such a missed opportunity for a smell, uh, very industrial, maybe a rotting flesh type thing to kind of build on that environment. I think that would be incredible. So if anyone's listening out there from the creative. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there were um, there were smells used in Nemesis Subterra um, and they actually had a custom alien egg smell. Um, I don't know what was in it exactly, but I know I think it had cut grass in it, so it was kind of a a unique one. Um, so yeah, there there is. Um, it would be nice if they kind of bought um, some smiles from that to, as a kind of dedication, and also to link the story together. Then yeah. anyone has any kind of um, deep set hidden memories of the sub terrorist smiles, it could yeah. bring them up together. <laughs> so. Um... I do hope to see that kind of story built on. Obviously, you have the regional music with the story over the top. I don't know if you've ever heard that. It's got kind of the, the voice which kind of tells that story. Um, I think that it just builds on the reasoning why it's there, which is, I think, incredible what Nemesis has done. So the final one I wanted to find out before we go ahead and guess these smells um, is how is the smells of um, Tomb created? Obviously, you've got the original Terra Tomb, uh, Bidden Tomb, Tomb Blaster, Point One, Tomb Blaster, all the way to Point Five. Um, how were these smells created into creating the environment, especially in the 2020 refurbishment? Kind of, what was your thought process behind the smells? Um, so the cue for um, Tomb Blaster, I was going to say Terra Tomb, same thing. Um, they have it has cocoa, ginger, and potpourri in the cue, um, which I think is really um, kind of unique because normally a queue would just have one smell and the the, the space that the smells are in is so short um, it, it's really cool that it has this um, variety that you can go through and it um, kind of um, gives that feeling of a kind of um, Egyptian ancient Egyptian market or um, whatever it's supposed to be, I can't remember exactly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, like streets, I guess. Um, and um, it's cool that each smell, because all the different machines are put into the different kind of dioramas, so you look for a window and there's a different smell in each one. Um, and it's cool that you can put your head against the bars and sniff it um, and then travel on. Um, and then there's the um, the Egyptian tomb smell, which is in fills the whole ride building um and that's only ju is just one machine that does that um there there used to be originally in terra tomb i believe there were i was told by tom mccall the technician they had um the smell machines underneath the track because they've got the area that the technicians can access um and i didn't think any of any rides 
any that I know of has ever had smells under the track, so that's really cool. But now it's just one, it's our Vortex Utopia, the most powerful Aroma Prime machine, and they've got it in a space um, just as you, there's like a kind of slope that you go up near the beginning, and just to the left of that in a, in a kind of room is the Vortex Utopia, and they, they turn that on and it fills the entire building. Like, um, there are some spaces, it's hard to understand why, but there are some spaces where it's kind of really subtle and then you can like go to the other end of the building and it's um, incredibly strong. So it's interesting how it travels around. Um, and um, that was, um, like you say, brought, it was brought in for the 2020 refurbishment, but it was based on the original smells that the ride had. Um, and that was thanks to Tom McCall, the technician who um, had a good understanding of what was used in lots of the original rides. He was responsible for bringing the musty smell back to Vampire, which had originally been um, introduced by Tom Wardley and his team um, when that first opened. Um, and Rattlesnake had a smell, a gunpowder smell in its queue as well. Apparently, it used to have a kind of dynamite effect in. There's like a window you can look through in the, yeah, in the still cave there. bit of the yeah. queue. Yeah. Because it's got um, the AV system where the window blasts out and there's massive red lights. Um, so ah. sets still there, yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, so that used to have a smell. Tom was interested in reintroducing a smell to that, but um, I didn't think he got around to it. Um, and then um, the last project that he worked on before he left was. Um, bringing back the, the bubble work smells for toilets. Because um, um, originally bubble works, um, John Wardley had used an orange smell and he built his own um, kind of scent gun that would shoot the smell out. Because um, obviously back then they didn't have off the shelf. Actually, I think they did, but maybe he didn't know about Aroma Prime. <laughs> but um, because Aroma Prime was like the first ever company to specialise in smells for attractions so that they could have these machines that they could use and didn't have to build them themselves. Um, so it originally had an orange smell and then when it was um, refurbished with the kind of imperial leather um, overlay, it had bubble gum and orange and um, candy floss and they were interested in putting smells into the toilets at Chessington recently. Um, and we started discussing bubble gum because um, Legoland had used it in their toilets and it was really effective. And then we thought, well, um, it is actually the smell that was used in Bubbleworks as well, like exactly the same one. So it's really cool that it, um, that Bubbleworks had this kind of bath theme and now the smells going into the bathroom. So it's, like bringing the ride to life in a weird but <laughs> really <laughs> appropriate way um and that i think they're going to be adding some like orange as well into some of the toilets um yeah so i've gone on a tangent there from tomb blaster but um the point is <laughs> that um chessington has a really nice kind of smell heritage as it were and um it was great that um tom put all those classic smells back in because um, I, I think um, guests have a strong um, 
connection to the smells. I know there's one fan during lockdown who was um, like really, really grateful to have the tomb blaster smell um, when they couldn't access it because um, of the lockdown. Um, and even Gruffalo, people really like the smells in that. Um, I think at Chessington, people really, like there's a special, perhaps more than at other attractions, people particularly like the smells. Yeah, it's a real childhood classic, and it is um, a part that's kind of where it wants to be is definitely entirely story driven, and it's entirely these stories that are being told, which fits with that younger demographic, which gives people those memories. And I think that's why Chessington is such a memorable place for so many childhoods. You know, people remember the smells, and uh, someone came out um, saying, oh, I remember the old soap works, <laughs> which is quite funny. Um, but, you know, people do remember these attractions. Um, fondly and they love the new attractions and it's always changing which is what any place should be it should be always evolving um so definitely i think that is such a memorable part of the experience which is yeah it's interesting that you mention um chessington being a place like it's particularly more for children than like thought park for example um so i wonder if that is a factor in why the smells are like particularly more nostalgic to people than um at Alton Towers for example even though people really like the smells at Alton Towers but they're kind of um they're they're not as um I don't think they have quite the nostalgic effect that they have at um, Chessington um and something I just remembered about the Chessington smell um there's they use the uh, our Egyptian tomb smell um and originally it was called Egyptian mummy but we changed it because it was kind of um I think it it's more accessible and you can imagine it more what it's appropriate for if it's called Egyptian tomb. Um, but Egyptian mummies, you kind of imagine them to be um, kind of manky, a manky rotten smell, but they would have smelled of all the um, herbs and funerary oils that were used during embalming. So that's yeah. another smell that we developed with museums years and years ago. Um, so it's nice that, um, Tomb Blaster has that kind of um, historical authenticity as well, Definitely. which always um, adds a nice layer to attractions. Definitely. I think that's another thing with Chessington, I think where all places should really go, is that place of adventure and realism applied onto a fantasy story, which I think is amazing. Um, then, without further ado, we've got smells here. I've got six smells in front of me. Um, and we're going to go through and try and guess them, um, what kind of cues they have, and if I remember them from any attractions. So I think we'll start with this one here, um, which I will take out of the bag so I can get it open. <laughs> That's a very strong smell, that one. Yeah, it looks like a strong one from the <laughs> dark colour. It's definitely a, a Wicker Man one, I think. Yeah, it looks like it could be wood smoke. Yeah, wood smoke. That's, <laughs> it. <laughs> that's a very strong smell. I can remember it from, I think, there's other places that use it. Well, it's interesting with samples because um, they can be a lot stronger um, than how they come across in the ride, um, especially as when you're in the ride, you tend not to think of the smell so much um and that's something i try to tell to designers is to like um first off don't look at the name of the smell 
um, because um, say you're you're designing a, a mine ride and I think there's this, uh, like a, a grass smell that could be really appropriate. If they read it and it says grass and then they sniff it and start imagining grass, they might think this isn't going to work for our mine ride. Um, but um, I also ask them to like sniff a, um, a few centimetres from the nose so that they don't get that like, um, if you sniff it too close to your nose, it can kind of smell like chemicals or like really, really potent and you think, oh no, that's too strong for our attraction. Um, so yeah, it, it can be better if it's like sniffed a little distance away so that you can um, kind of imagine it as if it were being diffused in the air. Um, just going <laughs> to turn my laptop charger. Definitely. Um, is this in bubble works, I think? Um, uh, not bubble works, um, gruffalo. Possibly, actually, it might be. It might be quite similar to the burning peat smell, actually. Um, and it's used in Creek Creek Massacre as well, or at least it was used in the original version. Because um, uh, here's another story. Um, Saw Alive used a wood smoke smell. Um, and Steph Ricketts um, had like a really um, personal connection to it. Like she'd go to restaurants and she thought she could smell the wood smoke from Saw Alive. Um, so that's part of the reason she put it into Creek Creek Massacre, um, which sort of replaced Saw Alive um, as a little dedication to it, um, which is memories and work again, power of smell. I mean, this is a very strong smell and I think it just builds onto, I can imagine this in, in some sort of setting, um, where it would just it would just be kind of strong enough to to make it kind of believable, you know. You can have flashing lights, but I think this this is uh, going to build onto that with everything to make it real. Yeah. Okay, so I've got the next one here. Um, I'll open it up. Oh. <laughs> Can't see what it is. I'm thinking some sort of uh, sweeps factory, whether that be chocolate factory or bubble works or something. Have a look at what that is. Oh, it's rotting flesh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, no, I can get that now, actually. Yeah, that's a good example of how the context <laughs> of a space can influence how you perceive it. Um, like when you see the red and the the, the gore of um, Creek Freak Massacre, it kind of um, supports the smell in that way. But like there's a, an attraction I'm working on at the moment and they want to use horrible smells to tell the horrible um, kind of stinky stories from history. Um, but it's set in underground tunnels and sometimes the air quality can make people feel unwell. So we're using what I call false smell odours, which are um, like we're using the smell of um, smoked fish to um, to reflect human waste. And it's actually quite a nice smell. But when you see the bucket of human waste, um, you'll think, oh, that's the smell of human waste. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting how <laughs> how context can um, definitely change how some smells. <laughs> it does smell a little bit sweet. 
but also um, like a mild version of the wood smoke one. Mm. Um, that, um, it reminds me as well as of um, Elsa Easton, who was the creative director of all the dungeons. She did, I think it was a scare maze in Hong Kong, and they used a smell that was meant to be like um, similar to rotting flesh. But in the test run, all the people came out and said the smell was delicious and it smelled like meat or something. Um, so they had to change that. <laughs> Definitely. That's, that's really interesting. Right, so I've got this next one here. Um, let's have uh, a bit of a smell. Oh, that's very sweet, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hard I'm to be gonna, sure now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to guess it's uh, one of the Bubbleworks ones, Bubble Gum, I think. Mm. Oh, it's Granny's Kitchen. Ah, yeah. So that's the one that's used for the Gruffalo Crumble. Right. Yeah, that's very sweet and kind of fresh. Um, I want to say almost kind of a bakery type thing. That's a very interesting smell. I think you could use that for a lot of different applications. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's a very nice smell. It's one of the cool things about smells because they can be kind of abstract and non-specific. Like we were just saying, you can use them for lots of different things. Um, like I guess in the instance of you sniffing rotting flesh and thinking it was a sweet smell, um, you could be flexible and maybe use try rotting flesh in a bakery scene and see if it works. <laughs> it, it might actually be effective. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, if it was a kind of a, a, a butcher's or something like that. That was. <laughs> So this one, is that I've got no immediate reaction to it, so I, it's almost a little bit sweet, um, but also a little bit, um, I don't know, I don't know how to describe this one. Does it maybe smell a bit clinical? That's what I'm wondering. Can't smell it myself, but I wonder <laughs> if it might be a hospital smell. It does. Kind of clean. That's a very interesting one. That is, um, oh, that's a musty smell. Ah. Yeah, that's quite, it's kind of got a sweetness to it. The opposite of clean, then. <laughs> no, I think that, I think clean was the right word to describe that, because it's very fresh, I think, is the word that I'd use. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of old books. Um, it reminds me of brown, brown old paper um, right. that might yeah. be damp and have that kind of sweetness to it. Damp, damp buildings and things, I think that's what that would remind me of. Um, I think that's obviously what Hex uses, I think. Yeah, um, Hex and yeah. Um, tomb, not Tomb Blaster, Jewel. Right. <laughs> No, that's incredible because it's like very much a real smell, a real world smell where you go in there and it's so undeniably real because it is real. It's a real part of the towers. And that blends between obviously going into the actual ride system 
and in the towers is so it's so well done in the fact that it's kind of a secret passageway so it obviously looks a tiny bit different to the real towers but i think it's so well done like it smells if that attraction didn't have smells it would start to feel a little bit non-authentic um which i think is hex is what makes it one of the best attractions genuinely in the world i think is the smells because i think without it you'd have that very different smell from the smell of the towers and then to the smell of the actual vault itself so yeah, yeah I think Hex is cool because um, when you go through it, it, um, it is one of the one of those attractions where the smell, and especially as it's in an actual old building, um, you could believe that it the smell is just coming from the building itself and isn't artificial. Definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, it's really interesting that. Um, right, so here's the next one. Oh, that's a very familiar smell. <laughs> that's definitely tomb. <laughs> that is really familiar. <laughs> I'm definitely getting the memories back from that one. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, that is Egyptian tomb. <laughs> How would you describe this smell? It's an interesting one, actually, because there's the stimuluses that you come from. Um, it smells quite like hot. If you'd have a hot environment and everything was kind of quite evaporated um, and you just smell kind of the brick evaporated. I've just realised I've got my sample case with me so I can right. sniff it as well. And because I can, I find it an interesting one. Um, got my history box. Um, I find it an interesting one because it, um, it kind of smells like nothing in particular that you could put your finger on. Because um, it references like all these embalming fluids and stuff and um, almost spiciness. Here we go. Mummy, back when it was called. Spices and herbs. Yeah. Yeah, it. I don't know if it. Maybe it smells a bit different on the paper. Um, but yeah, it smells like a kind of um, a woody, spicy perfume, I think. <laughs> I would have to, yeah, describe it as a kind of. Spice, I think, is a very good word. I've been, I've been in. This was another one made before I worked for Roma Prime, but I've been intending to look up the ingredients and um, the the specific um, kind of perfumes um, and oils that were used in embalming and um, remind myself of what's in there because I think that'll be quite interesting. Maybe I can let you know. Definitely. <laughs> Um, yeah, that really, it's just such a realistic smell when you go through there. And you can't quite put your finger on it because um, it's such a, a new place. You know, not many people have been to a real, a real Egyptian tomb and gone to Egypt. So I think it just makes that smell so real. Um, and I, I definitely recognise that one, actually, which is incredible for the scale of that building. I mean, when you walk around the bottom of it, it is 
massive and you go in there and think, I can't believe this is so big because when the house lights are on it, it just looks massive. So, um, I think that, um, that machine's managed to do the whole building is incredible. Really <laughs> yes, <has. laughs> it really has. I was impressed because um, I don't always get to see because um, the the Vortex Utopia, the really strong machine, is um, often just used for really big spaces, and um, so it doesn't get used as often as the smaller machine. So that was the first time I'd seen the Utopia or smelt it in action, um, and it was impressive just how far it spread the smell. Um, I was just going to say, I think um, one of the main references for the smell of Egyptian tombs is um, from when Howard Carter first went into Tutankhamun's tomb, because um, often you don't often get people discovering um, tombs for the first time, so his account is quite handy. Um, I believe it, um, that might be the case. I think he just might have described the smell. Otherwise, um, because I spoke to the Tutankhamun exhibition who made their own Egyptian tombs now and the curator went to the British Museum and they gave him um, a jar of air from, um, I think it was might have been from Tutankhamun's tomb, yeah it would have been, um, and he sniffed this jar of air from the British Museum to have a reference for the smell. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think, I guess these days it's not a smell you could access um, unless you happen to have a jar of air from the Egyptian period, ancient Definitely. Egypt. Um, it's very iconic as well, I think, to the attraction. Um, and yeah, it's just a realistic attraction. I mean, the sets in there are so grand and massive. Um, and with something that, you know, in, especially in the UK industry nowadays, probably wouldn't get built something this of this scale you know and how much it actually cost back when it was when it was built yeah so the fact that it keeps being updated and it's it's um looked after and i think the smell just has started to soak into things um within the attraction itself um which i think is really good you mentioned this before to me um when kind of the smells soak into the walls and in the fabrics and things inside um, it really kind of fills the realism and kind of soaks that in stuff. Yeah, it's like um, in America, they love to use scent beads, which I mentioned earlier, um, and blow air through them because um, they're really clean and they don't, um, they prevent the smells from soaking into things because it's not liquid in the air. Um, but I think it's, it's, it's more effective um, if you use liquid and um, let it soak in because um, then it becomes part of the environment like in real life um, things objects are the sources of the smells it's not just some kind of magic that appears <laughs> from nowhere um, and actually it's more cost effective as well if you have your set smelling um, you don't need to use your machine so much definitely um... I think that's interesting as well. With audio, you've got kind of didactic and non-didactic audio, where it comes from a source. Spells um, do come from a source, and you've got to have the idea of where it's coming from. So in the marketplace, that's in tune, you know, when you go through the marketplace, you've got the idea that you'd have, um, not so much at the moment, obviously, the audio and stuff could, um, could be fixed. But the idea with that, you'd have lots of market people, and it's crowded. Um, Obviously not so much at the moment because of COVID, but the idea with that space would be crowded for the people um, and it just builds on, you know, 
other people that are queuing up are part of that story. They're all part of this marketplace and it's all busy and the smells are coming from all the different stalls and things. I think that's that's where it would um come from in in an environment like that. Yeah. It's interesting that you mentioned the idea of um the crowdedness, because um like with dark roads when we're thinking about how to space smells and um make sure they don't overlap i think it is handy if you want to build a claustrophobic or a kind of busy atmosphere despite there being no people um smells a nice way to do that invisibly yeah and i think that's the kind of genius of designs like that is there is no people there is no animatronics there's no there's no things like that moment <laughs> uh, there once was but the idea is that the people are part of that story and the people that are going through fill in the space um so when you as a single person go in um or you know your group you kind of you don't know these other people and they there's much part of the story as the theme in the story in the smells um and a smell builds onto that yeah and it's nice to um kind of pick out stories in the dioramas as well like they have um props and papers scattered around um and the fact that you can look at them and kind of imagine like think about who's been here and what they've been up to and if you can smell the smells you can think oh okay maybe they were selling something or um kind of mixing something together um it helps you kind of um perhaps subconsciously build a story um around this place that you're entering before you go on the ride which is handy which then builds up for when you go on the ride, you know, the experience starts. As soon as you enter the queue, you know, you just started building into that environment. And then when you get on the ride, it's kind of the climax of the show. But the, the whole thing is a show. And it's definitely... So I've got one final smell then here. Um, I will... Oh, it's a very citrusy smell. I'd have to say lemons or oranges. I can't put my finger on which one it is. Can be hard to tell. <laughs> I'm not sure which one of it is because it is got. Maybe if you think about um, what um, where citrusy smells have been used in theme park rides, I might give you a clue. That would be Bubbleworks probably with its, and that had an orange smell when it was redone so i'd say orange it is uh zesty orange yeah so um yeah the the original bubble work smell that john wardley um used was from a different company um called Jevaudan, who are a really um kind of famous um smell company but they don't really work with um rides and things they make smells for um perfumes i guess i i don't know exactly um yeah um but the the um aroma prime orange smell that came after was pretty much um exactly the same because orange oranges smell tend to have kind of the same smell um yeah, yeah. and i think it, it's i'm quite excited that the adding um, orange into the toilets along with bubble gum. Um, I don't have any, I'd never went on bubble work, so I don't have any nostalgia for it, but um, I 
I'd I'd like to um kind of um imagine it um through the smells if I go to Chessington and sniff them there. There's a fantastic documentary coming out on it um, within the next year um, from British Theme Park Archive. Um, hopefully, um, I'm not going to speak for Peter. Um, it's up to him when he, he feels it's, it's ready to go to the world. But um, it is a fantastic documentary. Um, and it really explains all the different aspects of the attraction and the storyboarding and everything like that. Um, and really, I've been I've been looping the Imagineering story a lot of times recently. Um, and really, it's really definitely like that. And he's talked to all the original designers and stuff. So I think that that is something that will come up in it and will be very interesting to see. Um, the original, which was a lot different to obviously than the the bubble works, Imperial level ones, and the story of the whole attraction, I think is really interesting and very excited to see the final products on that. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm, um, I think it's really valuable what Peter's doing. Um, because, um, especially in the UK, like Disney's got their own documentaries, <laughs> like you say, um. But there, there isn't always much record on um, attraction design in the UK or anywhere that isn't Disney. Um, so it's really cool when it's um, it's cool that Peter's compiling all this history and sharing it um, like he does. I'm excited to see that. <laughs> yeah, that's we've really covered a lot there about Aroma Prime, the company, its origins, how to integrate spell, and why smells are so important in attraction design. Um, is there anything you'd like to add before we kind of finish it off? Um, I don't think so. Um, I guess um, keep an eye on what we're up to because we've got lots of exciting stuff coming up. Um, we've been working on a new exciting project in America that I'm not allowed to talk about. Um, and we might be um, on TV as well um, in a few months. So <laughs> keep, keep an <laughs> eye on that. Again, Roman Prime does everything from prosumer to all the attraction stuff, but there's also loads of consumer stuff you can buy, uh, the fan collections, uh, the kind of mini dispensers, um, which is all on the website, so check that out. Um, you can get absolutely fantastic, uh, the little machines, the dispensers, all the way up to the massive vortex ones for the attractions. So um, there's loads on the website, so I'll leave that link below, um, and there's loads you can check out on there. Um, and yeah, also follow Aroma Prime and all their socials, which Liam runs, I think, um, from the team. There's loads on there you can look at. Um, so yeah, do keep up to date with Aroma Prime. Um, and thank you so much for coming on, Liam. Thanks for taking the time. Um, and we'll see you next time on the show. That's all right. Thank you very much for having me. It's been fun.